Welcome to the Sanctified Life Podcast. Welcome again. It is such a great privilege to share from God's Word great truths to bring about the transformation of our character. As Second Peter chapter 1, verse 2, 3 tells us that grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So it is through the knowledge of God that grace and peace are to be multiplied unto us. So today we are looking at another step to walking with Christ. In the last lesson we did in the last podcast sorry we did a brief review of the past lessons that we have studied and now today we are taking another step it's important to know that these are steps to christ and really that's what it is that's what they are rather we are taking another step and the last lesson that we treated had to do with repentance and we're taking another step after repentance and it has to do with confessing our sins because when the holy spirit does work repentance in us it leads us to confess what we've done wrongly so today we shall be looking at that we are the sanctified life podcast we are manor lifestyle ministry a ministry of compassion dedicated to the restoration of the human soul. And we are your hosts. I am following me, Oluwatobi. And I am Ajibala Obundari. All right. So thank you. Now, what's the key text of today? The key text of today is Proverbs 28, 13. It says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. So it's saying here that he that covereth or he that hides when you when you don't want to reveal something. So when we cover our sins is that we don't want to make it known. So he that covereth his sins or he that hideth his sins will not prosper. So the Bible says, but whoso confesseth, being particular of the sin that you have done wrong, and forsaketh them, leaving those sins, them shall have mercy. Those people will have mercy. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Now, it's that plain. It's that simple. It's that just. It's that reasonable. It's straightforward. One does not need to go on a long pilgrimage or do something grievous in order to have the forgiveness of God. God has clearly outlined to us what is required. He's clearly telling us, whoso confesseth and forsaketh his sins shall have mercy. And it's that simple. So let's look at some more details when it comes to this. Now, James 5.16, what does James 5.16 tell us? The Apostle says in James 5.16 that confess your fault one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. Confess your fault. Confess your wrongs. If you have wronged your neighbor, confess. Acknowledge the sin that you have done and then you can... Tell your neighbor that, oh, I've done this, I've done that to you, please, I'm sorry. And then you now pray for one another. That is very, that's the next step. The first step is to confess your wrongs to your neighbor and pray for one another. That's the next step, praying for one another that we may be healed. So it's it's key to understand also that <clears throat> if, if we have given offense to a friend or a neighbor, we have to acknowledge that we've done wrong, as you said. And when we acknowledge that we have done wrong, we need to realize that that person that we have wronged is God's property. And so we have to go to God after having done this and plead with God for mercy. And God has promised that he will give us and grant us mercy when we do acknowledge our faults and confess our sins to him. Note that we are to confess our sins to God and our faults to one another. God only can forgive so we then know that God 
gives us specifics he he when it comes to our salvation he does not beat about the bush he gives us the direct instructions to follow the path to life is made very clear in the scriptures and in fact god teaches us this key lesson that we are talking about of acknowledging your guilt it says in the book of jeremiah chapter 3 verse 13 the first sentence there it says only acknowledge thine iniquity or only acknowledge thy guilt so acknowledge that you've done wrong and that begins to bring about peace of mind because okay you accept you admit that you've done something wrong and when that is done this brings peace of mind and if we are not enjoying the peace of god as we should then that means that we have not experienced a repentance which is not to be repented of and we have not felt this true humiliation of soul and brokenness of spirit we have not truly confessed our sins and if we have never sought this then we can never have the peace of god so it is only as we follow these stated lines these stated steps in confessing our sins that we would obtain the mercy of god and we would have peace of mind now the point is <clears throat> we have to comply with the conditions of the word of truth excuse me we have to comply with the conditions of the word of god of god's word whatever it is confession of sin whether public or private it has to be heartfelt and freely expressed it's not something you force from someone no it is not to be made in a flippant or careless way no it is not something that 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 one would give without realizing the abhorrent character of sin not at all confession has to be heartfelt it has to be earnest and god's promise to such confession is that the lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit this is psalm chapter 34 verse 18. now what else does true confession have to have for it to be true you see true confession what we need to understand is that true confession is always of a specific character it's true confession is clear very explicit there's no there's no trying to 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 um, twist things around and not being clear or being pointed true confession is is clear to the point and it acknowledges particular sins and they may be of such a nature as to be brought before god only they may be wrongs that should be confessed to individuals who have suffered injury through them so we are seeing that only god can conf can forgive sins so our sins are to be brought before god only and there could also be uh, an instance whereby we have wronged our neighbor then we confess as we as we see in james 5 16 then we confess our fault to our neighbor who oh, have done this to you then you confess that to your neighbor you have confess that wrong that you have done then you go back to god because that person that you have that you have wronged is the property of god then you confess your sin so we are seeing here here that they may be of such a nature as to be brought before god only and also there may be wrongs that should be confessed to individuals and they may be of a public character and should then be as publicly confessed all confession should be what definite and to the point acknowledging the very sins of which we are guilty of so that's very clear and there are examples in the scriptures 
And we shall be looking at just one point. Now, what example do we have in the Bible of this definiteness when it comes to confession of sins? So that we'll see that these things are clearly outlined in the Bible and have a true sense of how to go about this. Yeah, there is an example in the Bible uh, in First Samuel. Uh, you know, in the days of Samuel, the people of God wandered from God. They, 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 they disregarded God. They, they wanted another king apart from God. And so they lost their faith in God. And they wanted, they wanted to, be, to be like other nations who had kings. And so when, when they had what they wanted, and then it was, it was stated before their eyes or before them, as Prophet Samuel made them to understand what they have done, they saw their evil hearts. They saw how they have wandered away from God. They turned from the great ruler of the universe and desired to be governed as were the nations around them. So now we see that before they found peace, the people of God, during this time, in 1 Samuel 12, 19, before they found peace, they made this definite confession. We have added unto all our sins this evil to ask us a king. So they saw that, oh, they have wandered from God. And they, they saw their evil nature. They saw how sinful they were. And they definitely confessed that particular sin, acknowledging that particular wrong. So that's an example of uh, of 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 an account of an account in the Bible that that shows how definite one should confess sin. So to the point, straightforward, because <clears throat> the Holy Spirit is constantly working upon our hearts. This has been said before, and we need to understand that He would convict us of specific sins that we have committed against Him. Shows the evil of our hearts. It is our part to acknowledge our guilt rightly, to confess those sins, plead with Him for power to overcome and to forsake those sins. Now, confession will not be acceptable to God if we do not truly repent and reform. That's why it says, confess, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. There has to be a change of life. If it's that we have not experienced this true confession, it means that we have not yielded to the Holy Spirit's instructions or to his conviction. Because the Holy Spirit is ever seeking to help us to see clearly. Because naturally, we do not see rightly. We do not see that we have done wrong. It is very difficult to accept that you've done something wrong. But the Holy Spirit calls us and is pressing upon our hearts that we need to see these things. And if we still remain in this state, do you know that one could actually give even a false confession? Because if we say that there is a true confession, then there is a false confession. So such a person in our, in our sinful state, what happens is that if we do confess at all in our sinful state, as we, as we are blinded by our sins, such confessions are not sincere and they are not in earnest. For every acknowledgement of guilt that such a person would give or that we would give, it would always come with an apology or a defense of why uh, I did what I did. Maybe someone angered me. Now, that's even sounding like I already blamed the person for making me angry. So maybe something happened and and maybe I, I fled up, I got angry with someone and I shouted at him and called him all sorts of names. And then he tells me, oh, I am convicted that I have done something wrong. I am convicted by the Holy Spirit. And then I come before the person and I say, I say something like, oh, I got angry with you. I'm sorry, but you know, it was you that made me to get angry. You did this to me and you did that to me. 
that's not true confession. Getting angry is wrong. Uh, getting angry and speaking wrong words to someone is wrong. So acknowledging the guilt and confessing it and forsaking it, that's what we should do. Not try to find an excuse for why such a thing happened and then to try to justify one's sins. But now let's let's see where, where the origin of this is. Where do we find the origin of this as to um, the first humans who did this? The origin of this can, can, can be found in Genesis, uh, our first parent, Adam and Eve. When they had sinned, they had, taken, they had eaten of the forbidden fruit. They were filled with a sense of shame and terror. And so at, their, at first, their only thought was how to excuse their sin and escape the dreaded sentence of death. So God walked in, in the cool of the evening and where art thou, Adam? And Adam said, uh, I'm naked. I, I, I hid myself. I, I hid myself. And so we see, and God asks that, who told you that you are naked? And then we see there that they, they are done wrong. And we see through the responses of Adam that he started laying the guilt partly upon God and, part, and partly upon his companion. So what sin does is that when we, in this example of Adam and Eve, our first parent, when they sinned, and what they were doing was to justify themselves to how to escape the, the, the wrongs that they have done. And so we see in Genesis chapter 3, verse 12, verse 13, Adam said, The woman whom thou givest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. So now we see that Adam is blaming his wife for what he did or he chose to do wrong. So this is an example of how one can justify himself. And so we, we also see the woman too blaming the serpent for the wrong that she has done. Why did you, I mean, she said the serpent beguiled me and I did it. Trying to blame the serpent that, oh, is this because God has made the serpent. That is why I ate of the forbidden fruit. So we are seeing the spirit of self-justification here. And uh, it's not good for one to have to do wrong. And then you, you try to blame circumstances or you try to blame others for what you have done. And you know what self-justification does? Self-justification blames God partly and also blame others for what you have done wrong. It's very bad. So we see from, from Adam's statement, I would just like to pull that up again. In Genesis 3.12, it says, the woman whom thou gavest to me, to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. So also the statement of Eve, the serpent beguiled me and I did eat. What We can look at this very closely and see that they were blaming, Adam on his part was blaming his wife, was blaming God. Then his wife was blaming the serpent and blaming God. In other words, like, God, why did you make the serpent? If you hadn't made the serpent, and there wouldn't have been such a problem. So God, in the end, was the one being blamed. So what we need to understand is when we acknowledge our guilt, when we, when the Holy Spirit brings to our mind, to our, our hearts, what we've done wrong, we are to acknowledge that guilt and confess that fault, that sin against God. And be like the publican in the Bible in Luke chapter 18, who said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, realizing where you've erred. And God's promise to us, according to 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, when we do follow these steps is, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all 
unrighteousness. That's God's promise to us. So I pray, it is our prayer that as we have looked at this, that we would follow the steps that have been given clearly in God's word to acknowledge our guilt, to confess our sins and to forsake them. That's basically what we have covered so far. So let us pray. Our Father and our God, we ask of you to give us repentance. We are grateful to you for what we've been able to study today and pray that you'll give us repentance and help us as we as you walk upon our hearts to rightly confess our sins, to acknowledge our guilt and not put the blame on someone else, but accept it as we have done wrong, whatever you reveal to us, and give us the power to forsake them. Thank you for answering our prayers. All glory be to your holy name, for we know that whatsoever things we desire when we pray, then we ask for these things that we would receive them, we would have them. All glory be to your holy name, for we have prayed in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Now, in the last podcast, we began looking at seven points when it comes to the seven wrong rules that have been followed by modern nutrition. And we briefly looked at four points. Today, we shall be completing those seven points or the seven wrong rules that have been trod. Now, we are looking at three more points today to complete the last four that we looked at the last time to make it up to seven and then give a solution as to how to deal with this and what is the best kinds of food to have. So the last podcast we looked at sugar, refined foods, salt and fat. So today we have some other points I would like to share. So what about it? So um, before I move into the point, uh, you know, I just want to state a fact. Uh, In modern nutrition, we need to understand that an increasing number of people in developing countries eating too much of nearly everything too much of fat too much of sugar too much of cholesterol too much of salt everything is too too much and we need to understand we need to understand that the bible says we need to be temperate in all things and so before i move on to the to the uh, to the several wrong rules to complete the several wrong rules that we have started in the last podcast I would like to make reference to the material that I'm using, uh, Health Power, Health by Choice, Not Chance, by Hans Diehl and Helen Lundington. <laughs> Helen Lundington. So I'll continue. So the last time we talked about sugar, refined food, salt, fat, making us understand that we have to take these things naturally as they are and not to subsist. On what man has made not to not to take artificial things things that do not have nutrients that do not have fiber that helps the cells so to continue so protein so we'll be talking about protein now we see that protein is very needed in the body and protein protein functions in the body they, they build the strengthen and repair or replace things such as tissue so this, this is the work of protein in the body and we need to understand that many people think that protein can only be found in animal products and so people consume meat and, and, and animal foods to get their protein but it's, it's, it's clearly stated here that we can also find protein in um, natural foods in what God has made moderately 
So we need not we need we need to understand that a diet with meat and animal product provides more protein than our body needs, and we eating the food that God has given us to give us clear minds, and then the protein in the natural food are just what we need. That's just what our cells need. And scientists now recognize that a more natural, traditional diet containing less animal protein and much less fat and cholesterol is essential for improved health and longevity. So we see here that protein is important, but we need to take it moderately. And we can find that in the natural foods, not in the animal foods. And the next point is beverages. I think, sorry, sorry to cut you there. I'm so sorry. Now, you mentioned that the protein in animal products, they are far more, too much for the human body. And the plant products, they provide just the right amount that the body needs. So if we are eating animal products, yes, we would get some protein, but the protein would be too much for the human body. And animal products are not good for the human body. Plant products are the best. God has put the best kinds of nutrients, the best nutrients in all of these plant products that we, uh, that if we eat them, we would uh, be nourished by. And as we look on in the solution, it's going to be a great blessing. So look forward to that. So what other road have we trod wrongly? Have we wrongly trod? Uh, the, the, the second to last wrong road that human beings or we as human are trodding is concerning beverages. It's concerning beverages. You see, people, people don't drink enough water. And, and the importance of water now, you see, people don't drink enough water. Instead, many now drink more soft drinks, beer, coffee, tea, and sweet drinks every day. Because most of these drinks are loaded with calories. And we found out that calories are just energy loaded. They are energy loaded. And there's, there's no fiber in it. There's no nutrient. There's, there's, there's nothing in it that will help our body to be in a proper state of mind or in good health. So people subsist, subsist now on soft drinks like Fanta, Coke and all, beer, alcohol, coffee, tea and sweet drinks every day without having enough water. And we see that water is what the cells need, it's part of what the cells need. Water is very important and God has given us in nature to, to, to take water. Now, we see that these, these drinks are loaded with calories from sugar and alcohol. They can play havoc in, with blood sugar levels and sabotage with control efforts. Caffeine, phosphate and other chemicals found in beverages pose additional health risks. So we need to understand that water helps. Water helps to eliminate waste product. It helps. It helps us have clear minds. It helps. It helps us think alright. It's. It, it, it helps in the body. It gives us what our body needs. And so, the next, the next road that people have traded wrongly is snacks, snacking, and eating just intemperately. And the Bible says here that in 1 Corinthians 9.25, And every man that striveth for the mastery is separate in all things. 
and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. So in order for us to be in the right state of mind, to be in health, we must be temperate. And Proverbs chapter 23 verse 2 says, And put a knife to thy truth, if thou be a man given to appetite. So on snacks, it says, engineer taste sensations are taking the place of real food. The fast food chains, the, the sweet sensations, the Mr. Biggs, selling all kinds of snacks and all kinds of things that are very, very dangerous to the health. Now, it has become fashionable for schools, snacks, daycare centers, even hospitals to make snacks available. Even coffee breaks are becoming the standard at work and snacks reign supreme after school and at home. Now, people have taken snacks. People are taking snacks in place of natural foods. People are not eating the foods that have the natural things that will help us to be to have clear minds. And so we need to know that snacks attacks. Snack attacks disrupt digestion, overburden the stomach, and a frequent cause of bloating and indigestion. So we don't want to snack, and even snacking in between meals, we don't want to do that. We want to eat right, as God has laid down his principles for us. So, so what it, about the solutions? Now, the solution now is to eat the natural food that God has given. You can find the natural foods in Genesis chapter 1 verse 29 and Genesis chapter 3 verse 18. The fruits, the grains, the nuts, the vegetables. In there, in those foods, we'll find just what our cells need and wood would enjoy good health. And when it comes to taking these foods, fruits, grains, nuts, and seeds, and vegetables, they have to be taken in as natural form as possible. We mentioned last time that, yes, we can process some of our foods, but not over-process them. If you have rice, you cook it, you can steam vegetables, you could eat, many fruits can be eaten, uh, are to be eaten raw. You have oranges, you take in the pulp, you have mangoes, etc. So they should be eaten in as natural state as possible. So we hope that this has been a blessing to you and we are looking forward to hearing from you also. You could leave comments and we'd like to share also that we have been studying Steps to Christ. It's a book written by Ellen G. White. And if you like copies, you could give us a call or send us a message through our email, heavenlymanner2020 at gmail.com. Heavenlymanner2020 at gmail.com. You could send us an email and we would reply and we would get back to you. Now, we also would like to share that you could check our website for more information you could check manalifestylehome.com slash blog to get more information to get more blessings for your body soul and spirit and it is our prayer as we say that the very god of peace sanctify you holy and we pray that god your we pray god that your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our lord jesus christ amen